For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 115 of Blue Harvest. I am your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And do we have some stuff to talk about this week. Uh, Look out! A a plethora, if you will. Yep, and so let's let's, uh, get to that, but first, you know... You can't have after-business talk without the business. Oh, dude, hit me with that business. You can't lay in bed and have the after-business chats as you drift off to sleep without the business. So, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have shirts for sale. Our newest is the Porg Cuddle Club, designed by our good buddy Evan, who was on last week. And boy, was that fun. But if you want one of those shirts, if you want one of those designs on a mug or on a notebook or on, hell, I think they do stickers and phone cases and all that good stuff, you can go to yeah. tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Blue Harvest Podcast. We are so very honored to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. And guess what? You can't have a network with just one or two podcasts. No, there's a ton of amazing podcasts on that podcast network. Podcasts, a ton. <laughs> podcasts like Making Star Wars is Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Rogue One, Cantina Cast, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Podcast 2187, The Cargo Hold, and First Order Transmissions. So go get you one of thems after you listen to this. Quality listening for all ear holes. <laughs> all ear holes will be filled with beautiful content if you subscribe to all the amazing shows on the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Your ears were, ear holes will be overflowing with quality content. Hashtag content. Oh, They'll thank you in the morning. 
Speaking of content, our buddy Steele, he has undertaken a monumental task this month. He's, uh, he's in the process of trying to get a new laptop because his is, uh, sounds like it's on death's door. Like he just, his laptop just turned back to the light side and threw the emperor down the hole. And now Steele is dragging the laptop through the hallways of the Death Star trying to get him off, but it's too late for him. So, in an effort to drive people to subscribe to his Patreon content club, he is releasing a podcast a day. 30 podcasts for the month of September. A monumental task. And guess what? If you want all of that quality content, you got to go become a Patreon member. I'm a Patreon member to Steel, and it's an incredible value. Not only do you get his regular show, you get his bonus show uh, content on the call-in show, you get Making Steel Wars, you get Gonk and Steel's Trash Compactor, you get his Q&As, all kinds of amazing stuff, not to even mention the monumental back catalog of content he offers. You got to check it out. If you're a fan of Steel, it's a no-brainer. Three bucks a month for some of the finest. I'm doing the mwah hands right now. I know you guys can't see it. The mwah. I bet it's delicious. Makes the, me think it's delicious. Mwah, finest yep. Star Wars mm. podcasting content. So go help out our buddy Steel so he can keep pumping that content out. He was one fine fellow. He is one fine fellow. Next time Steele's on this podcast, I will make sure my good buddy Will's here because he hasn't been here yet when Steele's been on. No. Steele's <laughs> such a good dude. We will fix that, though. But anyway, how's your week been going, buddy? It's been going good. Can't complain. Same. Same here. Uh, been playing a little Destiny 2? Oh, that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been playing Destiny 2. Yeah, I played a little maybe bit. Maybe I've put five hours in, you know, maybe two and a half last <laughs> night. And, and then and another two and a half. That's probably about, maybe even a little more than I've gotten in at this point. Um, just because of work it's and stuff. It's crazy because you're so powerful. Yeah, it's fun though. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm going to hold off Final Judgment for like I don't know another month until I see how well it holds me I feel like I got burned a little bit with Destiny 1 I mean, there were elements I was definitely um, disappointed with Yeah. but I will say so far I'm enjoying it quite a bit and uh, I hope that continues I'm really looking forward to some more group grouping up and, and playing with friends and stuff I haven't done a ton of that yet um, yeah but we'll That's see. what I really like. I plan on hitting it pretty hard this weekend. So, buddy, if you are free and around, you know what to do. You I know do, what to indeed. do. Anyway, like I said, some fairly big developments and news in Star Wars this week. Um, yeah. Crazy to think the subject that we're going to be talking about mainly this week. This is the third time. Maybe maybe even like fourth time since we've started this podcast that we've had a very similar story to discuss. Yeah, um, there's a theme here. If you are a Star Wars it was fan. so revolutionary that I, I messaged Hawes. And usually if there's news, we'll catch it and we'll just talk about it then. But no. Yeah. Yep. 
Excuse me. I was about to sneeze, and then it disappeared. That was I awful. <laughs> I didn't know if you were so bored of this topic that you were <laughs> yawning or you were about to sneeze, but yeah. No, no, no. I was about to sneeze, and then it disappeared. But anyway, um, it was such a big deal that you and I actually talked about it before we podcast. Yeah, so on Tuesday, September 5th, it was announced that Colin Trevorrow, the director of Episode 9, well... He was no longer the director of episode nine. No mas. No mas. And um, it sounds like that, uh, you know, I don't know if we talked about it on this show. I know we definitely did on Rogue One. It's hard to keep straight sometimes. But about a month ago, I guess, they announced that they're bringing a new writer on for episode nine. And it wasn't going to be Trevorrow and his typical writing partner. Uh, and apparently that was sort of the beginning of the end for the relationship. Um, if you want to hear more sort of information about it, you should check out the latest episode of Fingered by Randy and Jason. Uh, you guys will know them from Making Star Wars is Now This Is Podcasting. Um, they did a breaking news episode of Fingered and sort of covered the Trevorrow thing. And Jason went into a little more detail of what he's been hearing from his people. So... Yeah, another one down. Another one bites the dust. Ooh. You know, at first I was like, what the hell? But then I was like, you know, at least you, you know, you're doing it now. You could do it down the road and that would suck. That is exactly how I felt. It was, well, at least this time, it was before the movie was in production. You know? Apparently, at least they saw the problems oncoming. I guess that's the issues. They saw problems coming up in the the direction he was wanting to take it and the direction they wanted to take it didn't line up. So they were like, you know what? Uh, let's uh, cut this off now. I wonder if it's because it's getting that time. It's time to film. And, you know. <clears throat> well, so from what I understand, the rumors are that this is supposed to start filming in January. Sometime in January is the production start for episode nine. Now, that means that if, and honestly, at this point, I don't expect them to delay the movie. I have a feeling that they may even already have someone lined up and just haven't announced it yet. Um, but yeah, uh, that means whatever director they do choose it's basically going to have three or four months to get acclimated to the whole pre-production process and then hit the ground running in January uh, with the production of this movie. Do you, William Witten, have any uh, directors that you'd like to see take over no. the job? You don't have one that just pops into mind. I mean, all mine are real obscure, like... You know, I don't have a favorite director that I think would do Star Wars really great. Other than J.J. Abrams, who's obviously already done it great. See, J.J. is one of my choices. Uh, I think longtime listeners to the podcast could probably see that coming. I'm a big fan of what J.J. has done in the past. I don't like what he did with The Force Awakens. Uh, I think it would be kind of neat to get him back to bookend this trilogy. You know? Yeah. Uh, I also really, really, and I say this with only the tiniest bit of hesitation because we haven't seen the movie yet, but I would be glad if Ryan Johnson 
was given the reins for episode nine. All uh, right. Mainly because it seems like of everybody that's made a Star Wars movie thus far, his has been the least troubled production. Um, granted, a lot of the trouble on the the Force Awakens <clears throat> production was more from like a you know oh shit Harrison Ford got injured standpoint, not necessarily like creative differences with the higher ups and things like that. Right. But uh, you know. I would imagine that from what we uh, sort of understand the last Jedi is in the can ready to go for the most part finished. So I don't think it would be that hard to get Ryan Johnson in, have him take a look at this script they're working on, make the changes he wants, um, and then be ready to go. I'm sure he's got ideas of where the story could go after working on eight. Now he did just spend, you know, three years for you know, for the most part, working on a Star Wars movie because he was he was brought on board in like 2014 or something, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> he has just spent three years of his life working on the Star Wars. Is he going to want to immediately jump into another one? I don't know. I mean, if I were him, I would I'd jump right at it. He said on Twitter uh, back in June, so well before this happened, that he would do another Star Wars movie in a heartbeat. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I honestly kind of feel like he might even be the the front runner. And I'm seeing a lot of positive, uh, I don't know, fan speculation with that idea of, of Ryan Johnson come ba coming back. He's really um, sort of won over and endeared himself to the fans, it seems like. Just to play the devil's advocate here, um, what about Ron Howard? Well, see, I think Ron Howard, because they're not even done filming Han Solo yet, that, that, and that's just filming. I think Ron Howard's probably going to be pretty tied up with Han Solo. Maybe, it may be even one of those situations where they're working up, working on that until the, like the 13th hour, you know, like damn near when that movie is supposed to come out, they're going to be working on that movie, so... Uh, while I wouldn't be opposed, I think Ron Howard is a good director, and I'm excited that he took over the reins on Han Solo. I don't know that he would be available to, given that he's got a lot of work ahead of him with post-production and things like that. It doesn't like count. That. Do you want him to or not, is the question, was the question. No, I would be fine with Ron Howard. I just don't think it's possible or feasible for I him. see. I see. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed. Um, what What about old George? That was that. It was. What about Uncle George? I, I mean, you know what? I would love it. Like, the question is, is I mean, I don't think he would do it. A. Um, B. I don't know that they would even approach him because, like, you don't. I don't think you bring George Lucas on and then say no to George Lucas's ideas for episode nine. You know, um, I think had they stayed closer to his original pitch for seven and the sequel trilogy in general, you know, I, I think the chances would be a little better. I would be stoked. I would th to bring him back to close out the sequel trilogy, I think would be an amazing story. Just, you know and what, what I mean? would be awesome is if George Lucas blew it out of the park. I was like, oh, you won't, you, hold on. 
you want me to do this? Like, give me, give me, uh, boom, and then just done. Like, done, son. Like, everybody's like, panties fall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would be crazy. I, and, and like it I would said, be crazy. I don't think it'll happen, but it would be absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Talk about. And a fan explosion. I mean, there would definitely be people that were like fainting so excited and happy. And then there would definitely be, you know, those people that are like, no fucking way. And knowing, um, and knowing George Lucas and his go fuck yourself kind of attitude. Yeah. It'd it'd have a bunch of Jar Jar Binks in it. (laughs) I mean, you say that, but then look how little Jar Jar there was in episode two and three. You know, I mean, I'm just. Oh, I know. Like, I don't think he really would. But Dude, I think if, it would if Jar Jar made some sort of cameo in a future Star Wars movie, I'd be like, right on. It's going to take, like, I, for one, I would appreciate the guts it would take for a writer or, or director big balls. to be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to throw Jar Jar in here in some capacity. <laughs> I don't ever see it happening, but... I would respect the guts, and it wouldn't bother me one bit. I'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" There's there's some Jar Jar in this movie. I did not see that coming. Um, we'll see though. <laughs> we'll see with with that. Um, yeah, and there's actually been a little fan chatter about trying to get George back to do Episode Nine. Um, but you know, George George Lucas did compare Disney to white slavers, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know just how in the cards it would be. Um, doesn't doesn't the Walt Disney Corp? Well, never mind. What doesn't? I mean, Disney has a reputation of being not inclusive. We'll say to all ethnicities or faiths or other things, but I think they're trying to shake that image. These days, they're really trying to go the other way. Really? I, I don't really know what their reputation is for that in general. So I just, uh, I know at some point in some interview after selling Star Wars to Disney, he compared them to white slavers. Um, it's just one of those weird fucking George Lucas things that he says, like when he told uh, Seth Rogen that the world was going to end in 2012 and that he was building a bunker. So, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Uncle George is I, a little... Uh, don't knock Uncle George for being prepared because when that <laughs> bad shit goes down, who's going to have a bunker, huh? Who's I mean, not that's true. Be in Uncle George's bunker? I mean, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I, I also know a specific someone that's very close to me whose birthday was on the supposed end of the world day, December 21st in 2012. Uh-huh. And for like five or six years leading up to that, I was the guy constantly telling this person, dude, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The I, world's not going to happen. I don't know, man. Like, there's Mayan calendars and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I know, man, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. And then this person was like, I was talking to someone at work today. And what if it's not the end of the world? Like, what if it's like this giant world awakening and like the next evolution of mankind? And I was like, mm. I mean, I guess, you know, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. <laughs> and here we are, you know, almost five years on from that point And, 
world ain't ended yet. We're gonna put we're gonna put put an oh, underline. We've had this discussion in the multiverse. We are in the <laughs> timeline that escaped that horrible fate on December first, twenty twelve. Perhaps 21st. at one point we were living in a reality where that was going to happen, and in fact did happen. But our 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 reality and our dimension that did not happen. I ain't I ain't gonna let you do this to me this week, William. <laughs> I ain't gonna let you do it to me this week. <laughs> um hey uh, speaking of end of the world type shit if any of our uh, good buddies friends listeners uh blue harvest extended family are in the florida area please be careful because that shit looks like it's gonna be getting crazy this weekend anyone in the way of all the storms you know y'all be careful and- yeah man be careful get your family out of there get your pets out of there just be safe man just be safe Get out of Dodge. Get the fuck out of Dodge. All right. Um, so, yeah, there's that's the Trevorrow thing. Do you have anything to add to that? Are you stoked that he's not doing it? Or are you bummed that I he's not? I am not upset. Okay. I, like, I wasn't going to throw a fit that he was. I think he would have. He might have done a good job. But th- there's clearly some things that Disney and Lucasfilms want that he's not budging on well i don't know there's clearly or some others there's something going on there's clearly um something going on within lucasfilm where they have a very strong creative vision of where they want these movies to go and they're really looking for people to play ball you know what i mean and if you're not going to play ball they have definitely shown that you're out the door, you know? Yeah. Um, and as I've said every time, when the Gareth Edwards being pushed aside for Tony Gilroy to come in and do resuits, when the Lego dudes were fired, now with Colin Trevorrow, I've always taken the same stance, and I will continue to take the same stance. As long as they're giving me good to great Star Wars movies, then whatever they got to do. I'm not going to let it bother me and I'm not going to sweat it until we get a product I'm not stoked with. And so far, we've gotten two movies. I dug them both quite a lot. We've got a third one coming up in like three months. And a fourth one behind that. (laughs) And a fourth one like five months after that. You know, until they turn the tables to the side, uh, to the other side, then, uh, I'm just gonna let them do what they're doing, man. Like devils, another devil's advocate question: Do you think they should slow down production of Star Wars movies? Now, having said that, do you think you know with how often they're coming out? Do you think they should slow down, hmm. or do you think they should maintain this pace? Do you think their quickness is what's giving them such a problem in direction and selecting the right candidate? I don't know. There's clearly something wrong with their hiring process at some level you know what i mean like at some point you have to go okay they didn't work i get it you gotta let them go but you hired these people that you fired as well true you know so in defense of what you're what you just said like uh being a chef it's hard to know what chefs are going to be good chefs because you can work for one and then they just flip out on you one day out of nowhere for no reason. And you're like, oh, I thought you were going to be really, you know, 
you were doing really good there for a while. You were really professional, and you were, but then uh, you're just another asshole. Like, asshole chefs are out there. Don't let them fool you. Right, and I'm sure that's the case with any hiring for any job. You know, right? People can pull their shit together enough to get the job, but then when the pressures of the job are weighing down on them, when the, the pressure starts, starts show, and the you know, cards hit the table. You really show what kind of man you are, do you? Um, the main thing I'll say is I hope it... I think they're pretty set on the one Star Wars movie a year. I just hope the production of these movies calms down. Like, I'm I'm tired of talking about directors getting fired. At a certain point... That is not what Disney wants. It's not what anybody wants from a PR perspective, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I said, luckily, this guy got the boot before they went into production. I think the worst one so far has been Lord and Miller because they were, who knows, 60, 70% done with the uh-uh. movie. You know, I'll say what I said last time. I think you should have expected just a little bit of that. Like, I'm pretty sure you're aware of the irreverent and silly tone that they direct. What were you expecting? Well, I mean, really, like. Well, you know, I don't know this for sure, but maybe they thought or even when they sat down to discuss the movie with these guys you know if if Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and the story group and everything were very clear with them about what type of movie they wanted and those guys were like yeah we'll deliver that and then when shooting starts they start going off on this goofy ass path and won't listen to studio direction to like make changes then that's on the directors you know yeah, you know, I, I understand wanting creative freedom. I understand wanting to put your mark on Star Wars. I also think that if you're given the opportunity to make an entry in the greatest franchise ever, you gotta play ball, and you gotta sort of toe the company line that you're working for. I think that's why, like the Russo brothers that did. Captain America 2 and 3, now they're doing Avengers 3 and 4, I think that's probably why they work so well and have been so successful with Marvel is because they know what Marvel wants and they're going to execute that. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's my... Why did this seem so smooth at Marvel and it seems so rocky at Lucasfilm? With uh, I guess it's when it's all the same corporation well marvel has had its issues they're more spread out they haven't been so consecutive for instance um who was the guy Uh, edgar wright was supposed to direct ant-man and he left that project because he and marvel didn't see eye and eye to eye patty jenkins that just did the wonder woman movie was supposed to do thor 2 she ended up leaving that project joss whedon historically had issues with marvel on the production of avengers 2 Um, so they've had their issues they just haven't been fucking back to back where it's like boom gareth edwards reshoots boom lord and miller fired boom uh uh, colin trevorrow and then that's not even counting josh trank who was fired way before his movie was even close to production but still yet another director that was hired and announced who was then subsequently let go. And I (laughs) agree, but I'm starting to get this feeling that this may happen. All this stuff may be happening right now as a restructuring move. 
so that you don't hear about this stuff for a long time. You see what I'm saying from yeah. a corporate position? Yeah. They may I'm, just be doing a bunch of cleaning house and... And it could also know, be why... So they don't have to go through all this hype in a couple of years. It's also, a couple of years. It's also could be why we haven't heard any solid announcement on the third spinoff movie. That they're waiting until they get someone that they know or are more positive that is going to work out. Like, that's the thing. At no point did they hire any of these people, at least I believe, thinking, oh, they're not going to work out and we're going to fire them. I'm sure every single one of these directors and stuff was hired with the intent of them making their movie. And then whether it be, you know, whatever the circumstances, it didn't work out, you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm, it wears me out. It gives me a little bit of anxiety. I try to just tell myself like, look, they've knocked two movies out of the park. I like them both. I like one more than the other, but I still like the other quite a bit. Just wait and see. Just wait it out. When the bad one comes, then, like, even one bad one. If they're doing one a year, one bad one I don't think is going to bring the whole house of cards down for me. When, when If we get, like, consecutive bad Star Wars movies, like, let's say, hypothetically, Han Solo's... I can't believe you're even entertaining this notion right now, honestly. Well, I mean, you got you were talking about Marvel, and you got to look at it. to temper your expectations? Well, not just that, but look at, like, Marvel. Do you think every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is good? Because I don't. You know? There's some bad ones. And granted, you know, Marvel does more than one a year at this point. They do two to three a year. Uh, So hopefully it'll take a little while. But one Star Wars movie a year for the foreseeable future, there's the odds are there's going to be one that's not great. Now... The thing is, is just to keep in mind that that's not the end of the world. You know, long as the next one after that isn't bad and the one after that isn't bad, then it's okay. You know, um, I just don't know at this point how much people should expect them to reinvent the Star Wars wheel. You know what I mean? Like, they clearly have an idea of what they want in these movies. Right. And anybody that tries to stray too far out of that, you know, it doesn't work too well for them, it seems. Now, Maybe. Oh, well, I don't know. This is some stupid guess. But, I mean, maybe each director's trying to mess up the sandbox too much. It could be. That could you be know, very well it. Lucasfilm has the sandbox they want to play in. And, you know, every time they do a movie, they have to rope off a tiny section of it. Because now that's canon, you know, like... Yeah. And well, and you also got to wonder, like, what what did Ryan Johnson do so right that these other guys didn't? Now, what? to be honest, I think... And this is something I, I don't know that I've really heard too many people discuss. I think the difference between Ryan Johnson and, let's say, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller and Colin Trevorrow is Ryan Johnson wrote the script for eight that he wanted to make turned it in, got notes, made changes. So they knew from the beginning, because he's the writer and director, what kind of movie he was wanting to do, right? right. With Lord and Miller, that wasn't their script. They were working off a script by Lawrence Kasdan and his, his son. 
Same thing goes with episode nine. Originally, Colin Trevorrow and <clears throat> his writing partner were doing the script, but he, uh, you know, they decided to bring in another writer, and apparently that's where sort of the schism started, right? So I think the difference is the fact that they knew pretty early on because of the script, because he was writing and directing, what Ryan Johnson was going for. So they were seeing more eye-to-eye earlier on. Uh, I don't know if that's the answer, though. Do you only get directors that are also going to write the script? I don't know, man. I don't know. Because then you're going to have to wait till these movies come out to design, you know, for directors to see them to to want to write the next version of that story. Yeah. And that's why I think it could be beneficial to bring Ryan Johnson on. Because he knows episode eight like the back of his hand. He worked with JJ during the production of episode seven, you know, so he could start writing eight. I think Ryan Johnson, you know, with all hope is about to turn in a really good star Wars movie. And if he knows those movies so well and sort of has a feeling for where this, this trilogy is going, then he could be a very strong candidate to, you know, shape up the script with whatever writer they're working with now, get that going and then just roll into production. Um, he clearly works well with Lucasfilm. They seem stoked on him and he seems stoked on them. So, Hawes' solution is go with what works. Oh, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad solution. Now, if episode nine was, <clears throat> you know, because we're, we're sitting at a period right now where episode nine is a year and eight months out, basically. It's supposed to come out in May 2019. Yeah. I don't know how much time they have to futz around without delaying the movie. And I, I honestly don't know that they want to. It seems like they're wanting to get back into the May release date area. So I don't know how much they have time to mess around and like get a director, get him up to speed. You know, I don't know. I, I just think, and this is all being said without seeing The Last Jedi, you know? I would hope that after seeing The Last Jedi, my opinion wouldn't be wouldn't change especially if he's already been hired for episode nine um it'll be interesting though to see uh tonight's what thursday the 7th it'll be interesting to see when we find out uh who's going to be taking over episode nine you know what this it's a campfire story like you know and people want to hear what happens next and that's the element you got to keep in that as a writer it can't ever become I don't know. It can't ever become too serious or too glib and joyful. Like it's got to keep you captivated. Right. I feel like too many people are trying to mess with it too much, you know? And when you say that, do you mean, I don't have any evidence for that. I'm just, it's a gut feeling. Like these people are crashing because they're either just divas, you know, dramatic director divas that like, if you're not going to pursue my vision, my vision is the only vision I have, so you need to have someone else, you know. Right. Now, People like that I aren't said, like to play ball, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like on one hand I do feel bad for these people that have been let go because you know, you want people that are brought on to work on this to have freedom. And you it's want another one of those things like I'd be curious to see what he did. Yeah. You know, like it's not like I don't that's not 
necessarily the director I would choose for the movie, but I I am curious to see what he would have done. Right, and and the thing is, is like, you know, so from all reports and intents and purposes, like Gareth Edwards finished Rogue One, they checked it out, and they were like, I don't know about this. You and know. that's another thing. Why are you letting things get that far? You end of the project, you check it out. Like, well, you know, because it's. I think with Rogue One, it's it, it, that specific situation. I kind of feel like the movie needed to be in like a, you know, a somewhat finished state to even feel the overall. Like, you can't just watch dailies and pieces of the movie without it being edited together to get the feel of the entire movie. And from all everything I understand, that was the issue with Rogue One is they kind of felt like it was maybe a little too dark and war movery, like more war movie like, and not enough didn't feel enough like Star Wars. And yeah. supposedly that was a lot of the reshoots was injecting some of that classic Star Wars feel, uh, and and reworking some of the ending and stuff. Right. So it's hard with that to tell until you have a, a you know a a work print, I guess, of the movie, a movie that's more close to being finished. So you can see something closer to the final product. Uh, apparently with Han Solo, the dailies and stuff were so bad that they were like, shit, this is bad. This is real bad. So, um, I guess they caught that one early. I don't, not early enough in my opinion. I mean, catching it early is like Josh Trank. That's catching it early. You know, if Josh Trank's movie had gone ahead, it would be in like the Han Solo position. Basically, we would be getting it next May um, just by how the, it was announced and stuff. So even Colin Trevorrow, while it's early, he wasn't in production. It's still three months out from it going into production. That's not that early, you know? Yeah. I just want them. I just want things to calm down. Let's just, we had, we, we had a good run with JJ. There was some unfortunate, fortunate shit on set, but the movie came out. It was really good. It was great. It made a lot of money. It was looking up rogue one reshoots. It wasn't that bad because Gareth Edwards apparently was like, shit, I'll play ball. I just want my name on a star Wars movie, you know? Yeah. Now we've had Lord and Miller. Boom. Problems. Colin Trevorrow. Boom. Problems. Ryan Johnson, no problems. I want more of that. Like, I just want, like, can we, after episode nine, can we get a couple of these where it's just like, yeah, it was, it was a good time on set. The director worked out. The script worked out. We put out a good movie. Well, who's your holy grail of directors? In general? I mean, I, on Rogue One, I said my three choices were J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, and George Lucas. Like, those were my three. I would like to see Catherine Bigelow do a Star Wars movie, but I'm kind of holding out hope that she's going to do the Boba Fett movie. That's probably about, never going to happen. What about Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg would be cool. Would he do it? Maybe. Maybe he would do it. You know, he was initially sort of in talks to do Return of the Jedi. Um, it would kind of be neat. You know, uh, it's just that, like, the thing is, is, was after JJ, they seem to sort of be pursuing this hot new director, young new director type of a strategy with um, Josh Trank, Philip Lord, Christopher Miller, Ryan Johnson, who, you know, unseasoned. had a few moves. Not necessarily unseasoned. Like Colin Trevorrow did Jurassic Park, uh, World. You know, he's he definitely worked in the big 
spectacle blockbuster realm. You he know? can thank O. Henry for killing his career, his book shot of at Henry. this, not career, but book of Henry. What did I say? O. Henry. O. Henry. Uh, yeah, book of Henry. Yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, it doesn't sound, at least from the reports and stuff that are coming out, that that really played into it. But that movie and the response to that movie definitely got some fans feeling Took nervous. Took the legs out from the fan support. Yeah, um, which is never good. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he couldn't have still turned in an awesome end to this trilogy. I, I'm going to say, like... I wasn't a huge Jurassic World fan. I saw it in the theaters. I was like, that was a cool Jurassic World movie, and I've had no desire to watch it since. I feel like it was the two kick-ass actors in it that made it what it was. I mean, the story's good, too, but... Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard and then Chris Pratt that make the movie. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I really like Chris Pratt. He's great in um, the Guardians of Galaxies movies and stuff. But I also feel like Chris Pratt is kind of Chris Pratt in every movie. He's kind of got that Will Ferrell, um, Ryan Reynolds thing going on. You know what okay. I mean? I know what you're saying, and I see what you did there, and I know where you're going. While I agree, sometimes an actor's best role is the one that's closest to their actual personality. That's fine. I'm just you know saying, I mean? like, oh, yeah. It, it, I Robert have De Niro a, roles are pretty close to, you know. I don't when, have. When a, you get to play a character that's you. Right, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not seeing necessarily a lot of depth from the dude, you know? Like, once again, he's excellent in Guardians of the Galaxy. I love those movies. But he kind of was Star-Lord being snippy with Bryce Dallas Howard and fighting dinosaurs instead of aliens. You know what I mean? Like, he was good in the movie, but it wasn't anything I hadn't already seen him do before. Bryce Dallas Howard, she was excellent in that movie. Um, but for the most part, Jurassic World just didn't move my needle that much. So it wasn't like I was stoked. I watched a bootleg of B- Book of Henry, and that shit was awful. So <laughs> I am not bothered at all that Colin Trevorrow is not the director for Nine. I know a couple people that are bummed. You saw and, it? You watched it? It's bad. It's, it's real bad. bad. Yeah. And I, the premise, I was like, there's no way this is good. This can't be good. Reading the premise and sort of the the reviews and stuff, like it was one of those things where, like, well, like, are they just fucking with me? Are they, like, are they leaving something out? Am I missing something here? And it wasn't. It was awful. But uh, why don't we talk about something a little, little uh, cooler? I think we both sort of covered that, right? Here comes the sun. Doo doo doo. All right. <clears throat> So, uh, let's, let's, we were talking about Last Jedi a little bit. Let's talk a little, uh, a couple little Last Jedi news tidbits before we jump into emails and voice messages. The, the tiddly bits. So, uh, first off, thanks to the Funko Pop uh, of Benicio Del Toro's DJ, we may have an idea of what that stands for. Now, you know... Back, was it Entertainment Weekly? I believe it was, that released that his name is DJ, that that's like a code name. Like, that's not his real name, that's a code name. Uh, Apparently on the pop, on his hat, he has like a little name tag or metal tag on the, the hat that in Arabish says, don't join. DJ, don't join. 
Um, so it looks like that's probably what DJ stands for. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on what that might all be about? I mean, if he's a member of the resistance, <coughs> don't. Uh oh. Hold up, Will. Sorry about that. We had a little technical gif- difficulty. Now, what were you saying? I forget. Okay, that so caught me off guard. Sorry, Benicio del Toro, DJ, don't join. Um, so oh, they have described I, him as being someone who is not on either side. He's sort of a shady in the middle. They call him a slicer in the Entertainment Weekly article, which is the is a hacker. Yeah, the Star Wars version of a hacker. Um, Anthony Bresnikan on uh, Steel Wars said that he sort of wonders if DJ is like his hacker code name, you know, like how hackers right. go by. Right, right, an alias. Yeah. Um, so is DJ, when he says don't join, join, does that mean don't join either side? Don't join the First Order or the the Resistance? Yeah, maybe he's like an anonymous style person. You you want to talk about a group I don't want on my bad side is fucking anonymous. Yeah, right. I mean, they right. are legion. They do not forget. <laughs> they will fuck your day up if you're an asshole. They will fuck you up. That anonymous. That anonymous. That anonymous. <clears throat> um. So yeah, that's cool. I mean, don't join. I don't know. I don't know what that all could mean. If it's in Arabic, then anybody can read it, so I don't know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know, honestly. I mean, I I think it's pretty simple at the end of the day. Don't join. Don't join either side. But I don't know. I just don't feel like at the end of the day, this character is going to maintain this sort of neutrality. I think it the end of the movie he will have fallen on one side or the other either the resistance or the first order i wonder if this is if like he doesn't a, he'll be the first character that i've seen that can exist in harmony and balance with the uh force other than a jedi master unless a sith lord or a dark jedi master also exist in harmony with the force just on the different side i don't know theoretical i don't know <laughs> Um, so one other thing to discuss that I thought was pretty cool, uh, Empire Magazine have a big Star Wars article. I actually think that magazine hit the shelves today. Um, and there's some cool anecdotes in the article and stuff talking about the filming and how Mark Hamill, uh, really feels the pressure on this one because if episode seven was a flop, then it's not his fault. He was only in the last scene and he didn't even have any lines, um, they once again reiterated that this movie is Luke's movie. This movie really deals with Luke in a big way. So that excites me. Um, And then, you know, there's lots of other cool tidbits and stuff about the making of this movie and how Ryan Johnson approached writing these characters and stuff. Um, So, you know, you guys should check it out. But something I thought was pretty cool is they have revealed... Poe Dameron's modified X-Wing. His upgraded X-Wing from The Last Jedi. So, apparently, he has 
uh, something specifically like modified by the resistance and has a accelerator pod affixed to the back of his X-wing, right? So basically, it's like a turbo booster. <laughs> and wow. uh, it gives him like a turp- uh, temporary boost that burns out really quick. quick. But it you know, allows him to like bust through uh, laser fire or like blockades or avoid ships and stuff. So he's got like a little extra bit of kit on the back. And if you look in the picture on um, Empire, you know the middle back section of the X-Wing between like the engines and stuff? Yeah. That is where, uh, that's where this thruster is. <clears throat> now, my question is, okay, I'm looking at the picture, and when I look at it, interestingly enough, I didn't notice this before, it looks like the engines are more like the old school X-Wing engines. You know how in The Force Awakens, they move the engines to be on the wings, and they split yeah. apart with the wings, sort of like the yeah. old Macquarie concept art. Yep, well, yep. now, looking at this picture, it looks like the engines are like the four boosters on the back, sort of, you know, Luke Skywalker X-Wing style. I'm just now noticing oh, wow. that. So, okay. I was wondering, in the trailer, we see that shot of basically Poe's X-Wing blowing up. And is this the X-Wing he replaces that X-Wing with? Or is that is this the same X-Wing that gets blown up? I don't know. Um, but apparently, he uses this to escape the blaster fire of the Empire's new... Dre- or Empire. The First Order's new Dreadnought-class Star Destroyer. And uh, on StarWars.com, they describe this Dreadnought Destroyer as having these huge cannon, cannons on its underside meant for orbital bombardment. So it's like, a, I guess, a Star Destroyer that's meant to go in orbit of a planet and just blast it from above with right. laser fire, with huge laser cannons. Right. So is that like, I don't know. I could see, like, is the First Order going to show up early on in the movie at Dakar? And start attacking their base from the end of the Force Awakens, and I feel like they have to. The right? First Order has to be winning in this movie, right? It's or... Luke's movie, but you're watching the tide rise. You know, the 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 tide is going out, and it's swelling on the the evil, the dark side before it crashes onto the good at the end of the movie. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, like, basically. <laughs> Is this Poe's new X-Wing or is it his old one? It, does his X-Wing get blown up and then we don't see him fly anything until the battle on Crate when he flies one of those ski speeders? Or do we see his you know, X-Wing from Episode 7 blow up and then he gets this fancy new one with the accelerator pod on the back? I don't know. What if Luke hijacks it? Hmm. Do you think Luke is going to get off Oxto? You think he's going to leave that island, that planet? Oh, God, I hope so. Me too, man. Me too. I don't know if I he hope does. He's been keeping his old X-wing down in the water for safekeeping, <clears throat> and then when he gets ready to go, he pulls it right out of the water, and it's all, you know, grimy and stuff. But it works. See, that's the thing. If that if they do that, like if he just pulls it out and like hops in and flies off 
I don't know if I'll be able to buy that. Like dropping a <laughs> spaceship in the sea for a few years, like something tells me it, it shouldn't work just being pulled out. You know? Um, you made some precautions before you put it in there. Like what? Wrapped it in a big fucking giant Ziploc bag? I don't I don't know. I mean, I realize this is a space fantasy movie, and I realize like Luke's X-Wing stopped, uh, sank in the swamp, and he was able to fly that again, but... It was in the swamp for a matter of moments as opposed to what we would assume as years. <clears throat> but don't get me wrong, though. I would love to see Luke fly an X-Wing again. I just don't know that that's in the cards. I would love to see it, though, without a doubt. You don't think Luke will pilot anything? I don't know. I I honestly don't know one way or the other. I I don't have a feeling one way or the other. <laughs> if he doesn't pilot anything, he's gonna he's gonna say I'm not such a bad pilot myself. <laughs> like I don't know one way or the other whether he pilots anything. I don't know one way or the other if he leaves that planet in the Last Jedi. I just know what I hope happens and what I'd God, like I'd, to see happen. I I bet he rides on the Falcon. With Ray, yeah, that I mean, unless Ray leaves first and leaves Luke behind, and then he, something happens and he decides, all right, enough is enough. I need to go join the battle. Then he hops in his X-wing or something. But then again, like I just don't see how you put a, a fucking X-wing in the fucking salty ocean. I and, don't know of a different way for you know for Luke to not reveal his presence. What do you mean? You know, like, if, okay, let's say she leaves and he stays there. Like, they don't know he's there. She's the only person that knows he's there. Um, but the order is looking for him. So, yeah, if he comes back on the scene with her, they'll know he's with her and, I don't know, send all hell down on top of them. What if this happens? This kind of just popped in my head. What if the Battle of Crate draws. Ray off a of toe, much like, you know, the events on Cloud City drew Luke off. Right. But what if while Kylo uses that distraction to go after Luke on Arch toe, and Ooh. then Ray has to rush back to help Luke? You know, that could be a possibility. <clears throat> I want to see him off that damn planet, though. I would you like to see Luke get taken advantage of by Kylo Ren and have to Ray to come save him. Uh, I don't necessarily think he would get taken advantage of, but I wouldn't mind seeing Ray be like, I got to go help. Like, I don't want to see it's I don't one man see against Luke Skywalker lose to Ray. I mean, not Ray, uh, Kylo Ren. I'm not saying he would lose, but it's one man against it. it you know, Kylo wouldn't go alone. Like, Kylo's gonna, you know. I could see Ray wanting to go and help or needing to go and help. Like the yes, only way he's Luke Skywalker, see... but he's he's only one man, dude. Like he's not going to be going Super Saiyan and taking on the whole First Order himself. I'm just saying the only way Luke doesn't goes with them is if he wants to. What do you mean? Like you, you force Luke to go with them. You don't think he could stand up to Kylo? I don't think Kylo would be going to capture Luke. 
I think Kylo would be going there to kill him. I'm not saying they're going to be like, oh, uh, hey, Luke, come with us. And he's going to be like, okay, I guess I'll come. I'm saying, like, they draw Ray. murder him. Right. That's very clear in The Last Jedi that they ain't looking for Luke to make friends or just capture him. They're wanting to wipe him out. That's why the First Order wants to find where he is. Well, I would have assumed they were trying to take him back to the Emperor. Take him back to Snoke so Snoke could kill him. Eh, I don't know. Maybe. I, I would see Snoke being like, you handle that, Kylo. That's your job. He's your uncle. That's one other piece of unfinished business that you need to take care of in your ascendance to the dark side. But this is all speculation. Like, I don't know Pure one way or the other. speculation. Um, what if the events, like, what if he doesn't leave the planet in the events of episode eight? Like, what if that's sort of the cliffhanger is Luke being like, fuck, I got to get back into the action. And then the movie ends with him leaving the planet. That could be kind of exciting. That would leave me pretty excited for episode nine. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could go. I, it just seems more and more likely with all the stuff we're getting product and picture wise that Ray is definitely on crate, right? It definitely looks like she's involved in that uh, yeah. battle in some way. Now is the question is, does Luke show up with her or does he stay behind? We have seen no evidence of Luke, you know, in any of the officially released stuff being anywhere, but on Octo, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean they haven't hidden that. And, you know, won't that won't be one of the surprises we get in episode eight. So we shall see. I'd, I'd really want him off that planet. I really would like to see him pilot an X-Wing. And I need him to use a goddamn lightsaber. So before this trilogy is over, I'm hedging my bets and saying maybe not this movie, but please by episode nine. But who knows? Who knows? So you want to jump into some emails and some voice messages? Um, I just want to mention one cool thing. Go for it. Uh, oh, that's right. That the star, uh, there's a mission patch for one of the missions to the International Space Station that is Star Wars themed. It's, um, it's a Millennium Falcon shaped, and on it is three droids. K2SO, BB-8, and Chopper, and there's a Death Star, and then the International Space Station up in the sky, um, and it was made by a designer with the endorsement of Lucasfilms, and it's just really neat. It's neat that that's involved in you know actual missions to the International Space Station. Yeah, actually, uh, Doug Chain, Chang, uh, he was one of the concept artists on the prequels. He's done a lot of the work in the post Disney era, as far as like. Star Wars concept art and stuff, well known within the you know sort of Star Wars art community. He does a lot right. of work. He's he's an official employee of Lucasfilm. Uh, he actually helped design that patch with a graphic design firm that he uses or outsources to a lot. I saw they did a piece about it on the Star Wars show this week. It was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. Damn, I wish NASA sold those mission patches in some right? way because that would be a neat little collectible to have. So, I guess we're going to need a little bit of music to uh, to get us into this, aren't we? It'll help. Oh, yeah. Kia G! Kia G! 
fucking crash box kitty. Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty! Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty! Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Ruher! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witten! Cockhead! Goose Payne! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! Key and D! Cockhead! Cockhead! All right, let's see who we got for us this week. First up, we got our buddy, uh, Chris Lilly. All right, guys. This week, I'm making a Last Jedi prediction. Last episode, you were all talking about the Ray Black Series figure with the crate display base. Based on this confirmation of Ray's present on the embattled Resistance world, I truly believe we are going to see this scene, or something very akin to it in The Last Jedi, that harkens back to Finn going to Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens to rescue Ray. Finn is in some dire circumstance during the Battle of Crate and in swoops Rey, dispensing First Order foes with her heightened force powers and lightsaber. After the dust settles, Rey and Finn are reunited for the first time since they, the last film and share some cleverly written dialogue that is essentially a callback to what Finn told her on Starkiller Base. We came back for you. I think this would be a nice way to keep uh, of keeping the scorekeeping gag alive from the previous trilogies. Like the banter between Han and Luke. That's two you owe me now, Junior. As well as the playful argument between Obi-Wan and Anakin following the Battle of Coruscant on who saved who the most over the course of the Clone Wars. Ninth time. That business on Kato Nemordia doesn't count. Do you guys think this is this could happen? If so, does that mean Rey could f- potentially have a force vision that her friends are in trouble like Luke did in The Empire Strikes Back and rush off to save them? Take care and have an awesome week, Chris. That's a good question. I, I could see them having some sort of running joke or gag of some sort go through this trilogy. That is like... You know, when you sit down and watch the original trilogy, the, you know, like Han saves Luke on Hoth, and then when Luke gets out of the back to tank, Han says, that's two, you owe me, Junior. Mm-hmm. And right. then after Return of the Jedi, when they save Han, he's like, hey, now I owe you one. Um, which is cool, you know. Uh, so I could see them doing something like that. Um, for sure. Makes sense to me. Uh I am just looking forward to Ray kicking a bunch of ass. That's exciting to me. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to her growing and her force powers, finding out what Luke's up to, seeing Finn Poe kick ass. I definitely think we'll see some sort of, she'll have some sort of force vision in this. Now, will it be related to her friends being in danger? And will that be what draws her off crate? I don't know, but I think they definitely set up the whole force vision thing in the force awakens with her, you know, when she touches the saber and something tells me that like, that isn't the only time that's going to happen to her. And plus in the, 
in the damn trailer, we see what looks like another angle from that vision of Luke and R2 walking up on the, you know, Jedi Academy or whatever it is on, on fire. So I would think that would be in a vision. I could see her vision being more uh, revelatory as far as filling in the backstory of what happened with Luke and stuff like, but I don't know. Like the question is, so like, okay. At the end of the force awakens, everybody in that damn room sees the map of where Luke is. Like, it's not just Ray. Like when, uh, R2 wakes up and they put the, the map pieces together, like Leia, Podameron, everybody is in that room, right? Yeah. So if they needed to get a message to them somehow, could they? Like, if they're in serious shit, could they send a message to, like, the Falcon and Chewie has to come grab Ray and be like, look, the Resistance is in dire straits on Crate. We gotta go. I could see something like that being the reason they gotta get off. Uh... Or that they, they, you know, go to help their friends. But they could also do sort of the Empire Strikes Back, com, uh, like, callback and have Ray have a feeling or see a vision of her friends in trouble. Don't know. I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean, you covered it all pretty much. Oh, my bad. No. All right, so we got... Just how I feel about it. (laughs) All right. Well, we got an email from our buddy Carl. Hiya, Halsey Halls and the Ash Crusher Will. It's your buddy from England. Great podcast as always last week. I I see you had better luck on Force Friday than I did. Our Toys R Us sucked big time with getting Black Series in, but I got the pops I wanted. Just a quick question for you both. I was wondering what out of all the movies and cartoons is your favorite helmet and armor besides... Our number one, Boba Fett, obviously. I really like the Snowtrooper and am rather partial to the to simple TIE Fighter helmets. Well, keep up the great work, guys, as always. P.S. Now just really need to get me one of those awesome talking porgs. Later, guys. Carl. Ooh, favorite helmets. Oh, I love some Star Wars helmets. Mm, you go first, buddy. My favorite uh, armor. I'll do that first. My favorite armor is the Obi-Wan Kenobi general armor, like the, uh, I guess, the Clone Wars era tunic with the added white mm-hmm. uh, Stormtrooper armor parts. I really like that. I think that's kick-ass. They have done... Um, <clears throat> so I have been... It's not something I plan on getting into anytime really soon, but I've been sort of looking at sideshow figures, right, on eBay. Yeah. Um, and honestly, some of them aren't that bad. Uh, there's one that I'm um, I might get sooner rather than later. I don't want to say what it is because I want to make like a funny reveal of my first side so- show figure. But if you listen to the podcast and certain sections of the podcast that every happen every week, you might be able to figure it out. Uh, it's not Boba Fett, uh, <laughs> but there's a really cool sideshow like Clone Wars General Obi Wan Kenobi figure, but it looks like. Ewan McGregor. It's not done in like the Clone Wars style. So it looks lifelike with him with all that armor and stuff on. And it's really cool looking. Yeah. It's cool as fuck. I really like that. Um, coolest helmet. 
Dude, I'll give cool his helmet to Kylo Ren. You really like Kylo? That's cool. I mean, the fact that it comes off like that, it's metal in the front. It's kind of neat. It's a neat helmet. I think it's neat, too, and that's why I'm kind of bummed that it appears he's maybe going to be wearing that a little less in this this one. There's a lot yeah. of unmasked Kylo merch this time around. Yeah. <coughs> um. Okay, so I'm not just going to take out Boba Fett from my answer. I'm going to take out any Mandalorian, just for fairness sake, because I could just go down lists of Mandalorians and how cool I think all their helmets are. Uh, favorite helmet, also from The Force Awakens, would be Finn's Stormtrooper helmet with the three bloody hand streaks on it or whatever. I think that's so cool. To me, it's one of, it's one of those pieces of, like, visual imagery. Does that, that's like a double, like, that's repetitive. Visual imagery, right? No, no, not necessarily. I don't know. But to me, that, like, that visual of that First Order Stormtrooper helmet with the bloody streaks on it is very, it's already iconic, at least in my opinion. Anytime I see some merch with, I call it Bloody Helmet Finn, I gotta grab it. Um, It's kind of morbid. I just think it looks cool. It's not necessarily that morbid. I'm into more morbid stuff. Um, Those, Those bloody streaks are handprints of some dying soldier's blood right and i'll tell you what the uh the three and three quarter inch figure the black series figure and the funko pop with uh with that design all look killer so uh i saw some elite figures and i was gonna ask what you wanted oh you saw disney elite figures yeah were you in a disney store I was, yeah. Yeah, you know those are only available at Disney stores. Really? Yeah. Well, damn, I should have gotten you one. I um, did not know that. So, Disney Elite figures are actually something I'd probably be more into collecting if we had a Disney store around here. They um, were sick as fuck. They're like, cool. That's why you know they're metal. They're all metal. Are they really? Yeah. Um, at least the so they started doing a bigger scale, like a twelve inch elite figure that aren't metal. They're more like dolls, like traditional dolls. Uh, but they do a six inch scale, and the only one I have, you, I mean, this should be no surprise. I actually picked it up at Celebration as Boba Fett, um, and it is a really nice figure. It has one very very frustrating thing about it though, is his gun doesn't fit in his goddamn hand. Uh oh. Like Uh-oh. his hand, you know what I mean? Like triggered. You can't unhinged. You can't make him hold his gun in any kind of cool position just because his hands are so static and the the gun just doesn't fit. Like if if anybody out there has an unboxed elite Disney Elite Boba Fett figure and and you have been able to get him to pose reasonably cool looking holding that gun, let me know, please. Cuz I can't figure it out. Um but otherwise, it's a really cool looking figure. Uh, Dude, they had a bunch, and they had uh, costumes. They had like the stormtrooper costume, and then they had the one with the black stripe. Oh, the executioner. Yeah, there was a costume of him. So I would say, you know, if you're ever in the opportunity, uh, and you see those figures again, if they got a Ray, I'm all about Ray. So that anything Ray, I'm about, and I probably don't have any of the Disney Elite stuff besides Boba. Right so, on. Just for future reference. You know, I like the cool looking characters like Ray, like Kylo looks cool, you know. 
yeah. pretty much anything in armor or with a lightsaber. And if the, if if damn ass uh, Luke Skywalker ends up using a, a lightsaber in the Last Jedi, and they do a Disney Elite with that yeah. figure, that's a no brainer, my man. No brainer. I love <laughs> that you use the word damn ass. I I don't know you. You, I noticed it last week, but you use the word damn ass. It's like a brand. It's a, it sounds like. <laughs> it's been going on for damn a couple of weeks. brand coffee. It's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Uh, if, if you may just not have caught on to it yet. Um, but yeah, I don't know where that happened. But one episode I actually named DA because of how many times, like when I went back and listened to it, how many times I said damn ass. Damn ass. Uh, but yeah, those Disney Elite figures are cool. I just wish, like, I'm not trying to order all of them offline, you know? Like, I want to be able to go into a store. We just don't have Disney stores around here, which sucks. Because they get a lot of cool, like, exclusive merch at those That's places. It's crazy that there's not one in Birmingham. There may have been at one day. I almost feel like at one point there, there was... one in Huntsville. Really? Yeah, at one yeah. point I feel like there was one in the Galleria... But it's definitely not there anymore. And I don't know if that's me misremembering. But it was way before there was Star Wars associated with Disney. So I never really had a need to go into it. So I can't really remember. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, next up, we got a voicemail from Richie from Boston. We haven't heard from him in a couple of weeks. So this should be cool. It's about the Obi-Wan movie. What's up, Paz and Will, my Blue Harvest brothers? This is Richie. So I wanted to put in my own two cents about the Obi-Wan movie. You know, I think that it has to be Ewan McGregor. I think Ewan McGregor looks really good. Um, I say, you know, I started with one sort of idea in my head when they first announced it. I thought maybe like eight to ten years. But you know something? I think... This movie should honestly be placed like two to three years after the events of Revenge of the Sith because you have to have some conflicts somewhere and it has to align with everything else, sort of the timing of everything. And let's face it, you know, by the time Obi-Wan is, is ready to leave with Luke in A New Hope, he's pretty much resigned to his sort of his fate, his station his, his, his resolve is pretty strong but, you know, I'd imagine people go through some serious shit when, they've, when, they, when they're in a situation like Obi-Wan's but that has to start be early you know, like he has to struggle with that early in order for that resolve to build, so my thought is you know, Obi-Wan senses a threat, he thinks that threat is you know Let's say somebody lets him know. Somebody tells him that there's a threat approaching Tatooine. He, he either feels that he needs to take Luke off the planet, which is, you know, as you were saying last week, which is where the conflict with Owen could arise. Or, you know, if that doesn't work out, he believes that he could, that he has to, in essence, intercept that threat before it gets to Tatooine and whoever that threat is discovers that Luke is there. 
Now, you know, that's got a couple of angles to it. Number one, there's, you know, there's your space adventure, but also it could it could bring in Darth Vader. Now, I don't want a Disney movie that's like fucking Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader, blow your load, get all this shit out of the way, and fan service up the ass. I think that would be terrible. But, you know, in, in episode four, Obi-Wan says he's more machine now than man, and he's not the least bit surprised in Darth Vader's appearance. So he has to see Darth Vader in the suit at some point, and not just the Anakin that's burning up on the planet. So, you know, there's that. And then, you know, there's that line in Return of the Jedi when Luke says, come with me, and, and Vader says, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. At no point in any of the movies that we've seen so far does Obi-Wan try to convince Vader to come back. So, you could also throw that into the mix somehow, too. Again, I don't think it has to be a ton. I don't think it has to be this big blow-your-load sort of thing. But my idea, it takes place shortly after the events of Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan's still a little stir-crazy. He's still getting used to it. And um, he thinks there's a threat off-planet that's getting a little too close. He's got to intercept that threat. Perhaps you throw Invader somewhere along the line, too. So, that's my thought. What do you guys think? All right, take care. Okay. Thanks for the voicemail, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Oh, my goodness. That's so intense. Um, you go. You go. You go. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll formulate my thoughts. So, I'll, I'll address the timeline thing. I think it's a better idea, definitely, to put it closer to Revenge of the Sith than A New Hope this Obi-Wan movie, especially if it's, you know, set in between there and, and Ewan comes back. Because if you set it too close to A New Hope, then just on a, a like a shallow level, Obi-Wan starts looking really old really fast. You know what I mean? Like, he goes from looking like Ewan McGregor, like let's say it's five years before A New Hope. He looks like Ewan McGregor, and then five years later he looks like Alec Guinness. So I think closer to Revenge of the Sith is a better idea. How do you feel about that? That's, I mean, that's exactly how I feel. You can age him up a little bit, but, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to take it too, too For far. For sure. Uh, secondly, the Darth Vader thing. I have a little bit of problems with that just because I feel like the next meeting from Obi Wan between Obi Wan and Vader is a lot more powerful if it's on the Death Star. Now, I agree. At some point, Obi Wan figured out about Vader, like the more machine than man, twisted and evil. Uh, you know, um, he knows that Vader is uh, that Anakin is still alive and and that he's Vader. He has to get that news at some point. I just wonder if there's a way to get him that information without them coming into contact. To me, that airs a little too close to the thing they did in the comics where Luke and Vader have sort of a, a lightsaber duel not too long after A New Hope. Um, and to me, that kind of takes away from the whole duel in Empire Strikes Back. <clears throat> um, and you also need... And, and also, Vader and Tarkin kind of think that Obi-Wan is dead. You know, like they, until Obi-Wan shows up on the Death Star, at least I always inferred this, like, 
they just think he's dead. Like Tarkin's like, there's no way that's him. He's he's long dead by now. And Vader's like, no, I felt him. I felt his presence. So to me, that gets a little close to being a little murky with the canon to have them meet up again. Unless, you know, I guess I could see some sort of situation where, yeah, they meet up. He figures out, oh, this is Anakin. He's in this suit now. He's still alive. More machine than man. And then through the course of what happens, for some reason, Vader thinks Obi-Wan dies in the spinoff movie. But really, Obi-Wan goes back to Tatooine. They definitely cannot meet up on Tatooine. Vader at no point in the Obi-Wan spinoff movie can know that that's where Obi-Wan is. I mean, it's totally feasible to me that Obi-Wan realizes it's Anakin in some sort of vision you know, meditating. Right, right. The thing is, is they've kind of set it... Did we talk about this last week or a couple weeks ago? They've I set, feel like we did. Yeah, they've kind of set it up on in canon that, like, Vader's not necessarily a well-known figure in the Empire in, in the way some of these new canon books have been set up and stuff. Like, in Lords of the Sith, he wreaks havoc on this uh, ship that belongs to like the rebellion on Ryloth and nobody knows who he is before that happens. Like, like they're all surprised by this, you know, dark armor clad warrior that comes in and kills everybody. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, so to me, it, it's not like, you know, Vader is emperor, the emperor's vice president and everybody in the galaxy just knows about him. Now, right. you know, obviously rumors and stuff would spread. I just, at some point, Obi-Wan has to find out now when that happened or how they handle that or if they even explain it. Does it even really need to be explained? To me, I feel like at the end of the Revenge of the, Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan is leaving Anakin under the assumption that he's dead. Like, he's not dead yet, but he's about to be. So I kind of feel like Obi-Wan thinks he's dead at that point. Um, so at what point did he find out, like, no, he's not dead. They just did some crazy, you know fucking cybernetic surgery on him and turned him into a monster i don't know i don't know um i i do agree with richie that there's probably a cool and way and an acceptable way to get obi-wan off the planet given how long he's on tatooine um yeah you know I also think that there is a way to do a cool movie completely set on Tatooine. I just wonder how that would feel as a Star Wars fan being so used to these like grand adventures that change locations so much, you know? Yeah. To me, the Obi-Wan movie is a tough, tough nut to crack. It's tougher. It has to be a quest. A quest or a purpose. Like, to me, a quest sounds like quest is a purpose right but like if it's gonna totally yeah yeah it's totally gonna He's be set on Tatooine. there's gotta be a mcguffin yeah yeah it's just to me this is the hardest one for me to sit down and think about oh what could they do in this movie without it conflicting with the original trilogy version of obi-wan too much you know Maybe he's not taken off planet by his own volition. It could be. See, that's the other thing. Like, at no point, like, if Vader realizes that Obi-Wan is alive in the Obi-Wan spinoff movie, I think you almost have to do some sort of story element where 
He then thinks he dies, but Obi-Wan really just escapes back to Tatooine. Because if I feel like if Vader knew Obi-Wan was alive, that would be his sole purpose in life, would be tracking down Obi-Wan and killing him. Right? Like, he wouldn't just let him escape and be like, well, that's that. See you next time. Not if he knew where he was. Yeah, but even, like, if Vader didn't know who he was, you don't think he would start searching the galaxy and trying to figure it out? Not that that would be easy, but... No, pride and arrogance are Vader's... are what Vader deals in. I, I don't know. He might think he's old and doesn't matter. Mm, I mean, that could be, but I just don't see... Like, okay, so, if you're I'm Vader... I'm making excuses, I guess. Maybe. I mean, but it, not that they're not valid. I'm just saying, like, I just get the feeling, like, after Vader, or after Obi-Wan basically threw his ass, like, delimbed him, took three limbs off, and let his ass slide into molten hot lava, like... Caught a ride with his baby mama. Right. You know, I don't see Vader just being like, oh, shit, I ran into you, you're still alive... I'm just going to let you escape. Like, I, I think that would consume Vader from that point on would be fine. Because I think Vader <laughs> definitely wants to kill Obi-Wan. And uh, something that has been established as Vader is all about obsession. Like, after A New Hope, he's obsessed with finding Luke Skywalker, you know? Um, and I can definitely see him being all about tracking down Obi-Wan. So, just don't know how they handle it. Uh, honestly... I would kind of prefer Vader not be an element in the Obi-Wan spinoff movie. Just personally. It doesn't, even, it doesn't have to be Obi-Wan. I mean, uh, Vader that takes Obi-Wan. It could be anyone. Could be the Hutt clan. Right, Take right. I'm not saying... Squirrel. I'm could just... Be... Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I'm just saying... Like, so, if someone captures Obi-Wan, is it under the pretense that, oh, we just captured one of the most high-profile remaining Jedi in the galaxy and we're going to take them to the empire for a bounty. Yeah. Cause that news would definitely get back to Vader. I would think, yo, Not if there are no survivors and what happens in, in between here and there, and then he becomes a refugee. Yeah. Yeah. I guess something bad happens on that ship. That ship's raided by space pirates that kill the crew and attempt to take Obi-Wan, but that's Obi-Wan's chance to escape. So he just strands them on the ship. He was on, takes their ship. And then he's off into space. Yeah. I just don't know if that's a whole movie, though. You know? It's not a whole movie. He's got to go get somewhere else to do something else. I gotcha. I gotcha. Not saying there's not a lot that they could do. There's just a lot they probably... In, in at I was least just saying, a, that's how he got away from his captors. Was right. I was right, right. Definitely. I and like I said, there's there's a lot they could do, but I also feel there's a lot that they probably shouldn't do in the Obi Wan movie. Like, okay, Han Solo movie that shows his younger years. All right, would it have been my first choice for a Star Wars spinoff movie? No, but I'm down for it. That seems easier to pull off than an Obi Wan in between three and four movie, as far as like messing around with the canon, you know. And possibly, yeah. like, making some goofy changes to the canon. Uh, Boba Fett movie. Uh, super easy to do comparatively. You know, Boba Fett on a badass adventure. 
finally, you know, earning all the the love that us crazy Boba Fett fans have. Perfect. Um, I just feel like the way the pieces are set at the end of three and the way, where the pieces are at the beginning of episode four, you got to be real careful with the Obi-Wan movie. So I hope they take the time to really get that in line. Right. But I'm saying this as like, Obi-Wan's probably my favorite Jedi character. So I'm down with a movie. I just want them to be real careful with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. How does Padme know he's on Mustafar? I'm trying to remember. There is an... I think he tells her. Doesn't Anakin tell her, like... He comes by and he's like, I've got to go to the Mustafar system. Does he say... I think he might say Mustafar. The chancellor has sent me on a mission to mustafar to that'll end. secure peace for the yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think he does say mustafar all right next up we got two more emails and the next one is from our buddy sam i think this is the first time sam's written into us hey guys would you like an animated star wars series with arcs featuring different characters from different timelines for example arcs could be three or four episodes with adventures taking place during or before the prequels, jumping to the next, jumping to the next between Empire and Jedi in the next arc, and even include events leading up to the Force Awakens and other arcs. This could be a way to tell a wide variety of stories that may not make good movies or be good TV shows, but fans want told on a bigger stage than novels and comics. Thanks, Sam. Yes, yes to all of the above. So. I would love animated Star Wars. That would be cool. Uh, and and I like the idea of sort of an anthology and uh, Star Wars series, be it Absolutely. animated or even live action. But I yeah. kind of feel like they might want to, to lessen the confusion for the general audience. They may not want to do it all within a season. So, like, let's say they do an anthology show. And this is a horrible example because this show sucks, but... You know, American Horror Story is a different story every season, right? Right. Let's say the first season of this show follows a squadron of X-Wing pilots. And they wrap that story up in one tight, badass season, right? And then the next one could be in a different part of the timeline. And it could be about Jedi before the prequels. And it wraps that story up in one tight, badass season. I think it, I, what I'm basically saying is I think it might be more beneficial for them to not do arcs that jump around in the timeline so much in a single season, but devote one season to those arcs and th- then change is kind of what I would think. Yeah. But that's, you know, kind of me. What do you think? I, I would just like anything. Anything like that. I mean, you could do multiple seasons of the same arc. I mean, I don't care. Anything Star Wars and animated, I'm there. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, You know, with Rebels coming to a see, uh, close after this season, I'm really excited to see what the next big thing in Star Wars animation is going to be. Yeah, Really excited. Uh, really hoping, at the very least, it's set in between Jedi and the Force Awakens. That's what I want. That's what I want. And it kind of seems like the right time to maybe fill in some of those spaces, uh, you know, leading into Episode Nine. But we shall see. 
All right. We shall see. Next up, we got one last email, and this is from our buddy John. Hey, guys. Well, Will has broken my brain and upset the fuck out of my apple cart with those coma thi- with this coma oh, thing. Oh, shit. For the past few weeks, I find myself ob- ob- obsessing over the thought that I may be in a coma. All of a sudden, the <laughs> last few... All of a sudden, the last few years, I feel like I'm getting all these things I've wanted my whole life. A new Star Wars every year, new Blade Runner, good guys winning on Game of Thrones, my guitar collection complete, got my health, as long as I'm not really in a hospital bed on a ventilator with a bunch of tubes in me. I still get interest from young ladies I find attractive. Everything Everything just seems to be falling in place. The only thing I can really say sucks at the moment is my job. But then my brain immediately cuts to Agent Smith, Sith, <laughs> Agent Smith saying humans need some degree of misery for an illusion to be believable. Arg! It's really harshing my mellow at times. I feel <laughs> like I must go further into the ether to discover the truth. You're not in a coma, buddy. Don't, don't let it get you down. Yeah, you are. You oh. totally are. Don't listen to him. Will... <laughs> Will. Pauses your mind trying to tell you that everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right, buddy. You're not in a coma. Will's yep. just being mean for some reason. And Will likes to see people have panic attacks. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like his thing. He 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 wants to see a panic attack every year, not a Star Wars movie. No, year. I don't. <laughs> anyway. I do not. I don't like panic attacks. <laughs> Anywho. I like bending reality. <laughs> On to Star Wars. I am beyond stoked for The Last Jedi and what follows, but I've become a little nervous about how they are going to deal with Leia's storyline. I feel like they may be tiptoe around it too much in fear of seeming insensitive. As long as the family is fully on board, I think they should give her a proper conclusion. And I think Carrie would have wanted the same for a badass character that she created. I have a hard time with the thought of seeing her written off in the scroll of episode 9. Like, Luke is left to lead the galaxy, lead the fight as Leia is searching the galaxy trying to garner support for the depleted resistance. We don't know what they've shot or could use, but I would love to see her go out the badass she always has been, like a ramming speed moment or such. Or even if she gets injured to the point she needs a Vader suit like the white... Like a white updated boosh outfit, if done right, just to complete her story. All of this meant with love and respect for the series character and Carrie herself, so I hope this doesn't come across shitty. What do you guys want to see for Leia's conclusion? P.S. Now I'm thinking about them storming the castle, old man Luke and knighting the green, going after Snoke, while boosh Leia and Rey with double-sided lightsaber going after Kylo, Finn hunting down Phasma. Sorry, I'm super enhanced. Smoke weed every day. And it plays cool in my head, but may be total fanfic shit when I so- sober up. May the force be with y'all, John. Eh, it's a little fanfiction-y, but that can be fun to sit or- uh, John, if I if I told you all the weird little fanfiction-y sh- uh, uh, shit that goes through my head, nobody would listen to this show anymore because that shit is goofy. So I applaud you, buddy. Right, I applaud you too. I am with John, I'm very nervous about how they're going to handle Leia's story. And I don't know. I'm not. They'll send her out like a general. She'll yeah. clear the deck. She'll hit the everybody uh, abandoned ship. And everybody will leave the ship. And she'll be the last one at the helm. And she'll crash it into something that saves the day. And she goes down with the ship. Like yeah, but how do you do that without having Carrie Fisher? They've already said they haven't changed her 
story in eight. Now, the one thing maybe it was always the plan to ram whatever, and she survived. Right now, the question is, I mean, I guess there is the possibility that Leia always died in Episode Eight, even before Carrie Fisher passed. I don't get that feeling just because. Uh, you know, from some of the interviews and stuff that have come out since, like in Vanity Fair, like Carrie Fisher told Ryan or told them, you know, like, okay, so this movie was Luke's. My The next movie better be all about Princess Leia. So that quote alone makes me think she carried on into nine. We also know that, you know, there was definitely rewriting done on episode nine to address Carrie's passing so once again that makes me feel like she was in nine so I don't feel like she's going to die in eight they've also said that they don't plan on using CGI to recreate or, or anything like that so I don't know how they do it without having her available you know personally I'm against them recasting Leia I've seen some people say that they would be down with that and like that's cool I'm not like against you know Feel however you guys feel. It's just doesn't sit right with me. No, that doesn't sit right with me either. Um, You know, I just... Something about it just doesn't feel right. So, barring that, I just don't know how they do it. Like, do they have unused footage that they could use in some creative way? I don't know. I don't know, man. It just... It's the thing that I'm most worried about, to be honest, is how they're going to wrap up Leia's story... (sighs) It's mind-bottling. Yeah, in a in a satisfying like, um, satisfying uh, you know, fulfilling way. Um, and you know, like, John, buddy, that's why you're not in a coma, because your brain wouldn't have been like, oh, let's have Carrie Fisher pass away before the new Star Wars trilogy finishes. Every system needs a break to reboot. Nah. Nah, that's none of our Star Wars brains. That's I didn't think about that. That's that's a good point, John, that I just made. Not what what not what Will said right there. Not not that thing that Will just said. That damn ass thing Will is trying to worm into your brain. Sweet sweet damn ass dreams. <laughs> no man, you're gonna have John, buddy. You're gonna listen to this. You're gonna have a sweet sweet damn ass dream, and then you're gonna wake up and you'll be like, "That's right, I ain't in a coma. Time to get enhanced." He's not in a coma. Mm. No. I don't believe he's in a coma. No, if he's in a coma, he needs to be listening to a lot better coma podcast than this. He should be listening to George Lucas do a podcast talking about the new... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I would love to hear... I mean, it, of course, it would never happen. But George Lucas hosting a podcast where he talks about all the new Star Wars their movies they're making without him. Oh, my God. That would be some damn ass content right there. It'd be hilarious. Well, I bet you he'd be mad. <clears throat> but yeah, that's uh that's it for this week as far as emails and stuff go. So I guess we're gonna wrap this up. Thanks for writing in, guys. Continue to do so. We really enjoy hearing from you guys. Um and thanks to you, buddy, for taking the time to record with me. Oh, thank you to you for making it possible for me to be here today. Coming to you to your sweet ear holes. Yeah, buddy. Uh, If you guys like our theme song, be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to donate the music. 
They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us some reviews on iTunes. We've gotten a couple new ones this week, guys, I've noticed, and I appreciate that very much. More one stars? No, five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Thank you for the reviews, peoples yeah. of the radios. Always appreciated. Um, if you want to talk to Will on Twitter, you should at Will Witten Three. Even though his damn ass ass hasn't been on Twitter in like a month, and he's probably got notifications backed up all day, every day. I stay backed up. Stay backed up. People be like, "Ooh, how do I cook a eggs Benedict?" And silence from Will, and then I got to jump in and be like, mm, "I don't know either, man." I'm the wrong person to ask. Oh, did I that. really miss somebody's culinary question? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just joking. I try to make sure I stay on top of this. Uh, yeah, Chris Bothan and Moses Mark Two. Those are our two new five star reviews. Thank you guys. We yeah, thanks that. for that. Thanks for taking time to do that for us. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. And something we're gonna do for you is one day we will produce the finest. Fan fiction, radio drama, Star Wars, uh, radio play that you've ever seen in rewards for your efforts. Yeah, and uh, also got something else, a little in, a little germ of an idea planned for towards the end of the year, especially if Will is able to make it to Birmingham for the Last Jedi uh, premiere night thing. Then uh, huh. I think there's going to be some little extra piece of content, hashtag content, that I'm going to try to I squeeze in while he's here in person. Something that we could only really do in person. But we'll see how that comes through. I don't want to go into too much detail in case uh, I don't make it happen. But uh, thanks I'll for listening. I'll probably be able to make it to that damn ass gathering. Yeah. So, well, tickets are only going to, uh, probably going on sale next month. So, you know, I'll be sending up the bat signal when they do. Yep. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>